The Last Joy Ride, Part 14, Wednesday, 5.35 p.m. I entered the bar at the right of the posh Four Seasons Hotel, the Park 75 Lounge, and immediately saw the back of Joy's head at a table against the far wall near the kitchen. I motioned the suited hostess, and she smiled as I passed. I sucked in my stomach and walked as straight and as deliberately as I could to the table. Finally, Joy turned her head and saw me, too late to motion as I was already upon them. It was only a second, but she broke character. She looked at me, her eyes widened, meeting mine in a tight, red-lipped smile. She then turned back to her counterpart. Mr. Davenwood, this is Nick. He's my best, she said quietly. I stood next to her and nodded, ready to extend a hand, but Davenwood did not. He looked up at me, gave a slight nod, closing his eyes, then returned his dull gaze to Joy. Please sit, Nick, she said, placing her right hand in the seat next to her. I took it, quietly pulling it out and sat straight, placing my hands palms down on the table. She left her hand linger under my thigh for just a second and winked as she slowly withdrew it. Seeing all seated, a waiter wasted no time in coming over for a drink order. Devonwood ordered a Bloody Mary, not waiting for the waitress to address him. I just knew she was going to order a margarita, and it wasn't fitting. She flashed me a quick glance and placed her hand under her chin as if in thought. I'll have a scotch and water, please. Joy nodded agreement, and I'll have the same. Nick, Mr. Davenwood has just started to explain a situation in which we may help. I will let him continue. Davenwood began to speak again. His voice was instantly grating. He used an aristocratic blue-blood-tinged lilt that was intentioned to make a point without questions from those he believed beneath him. He definitely believed we were beneath him, but he needed our help. At least he thought he did. His manner was slow, deliberate, and careless. He was making a point of staring, or at least trying to stare Joy down, but it wasn't working, at least not at that point anyway. He had yet to say anything of meaning as he described his lucrative, successful career in talent affairs management. Then he name-dropped. Peter Whelan, you know him better as Mystic Seer, was not my first feckless client, and certainly will not be my last. That is the business these days. It is more about image and social media status than actual talent. But of course everything is subjective, I suppose. The waitress brought the drinks and I watched him sip his Bloody Mary without expression then dabbed his pale, thin lips daintily with the table napkin before continuing. He appeared to be a tall man, unremarkable in appearance, but there was no doubt his ecru suit was tailored and probably expensive. He chose not to wear a tie, and his tall, white button-down collared shirt protruded just enough from his coat sleeve, exposing gold cufflinks fashioned in the shape of a fleur-de-lis. His hair was a fashionable black and gray, silver rather, and cropped short to his head and slick with some expensive hair wax, no doubt. His features were sharp, but aged, as if perhaps a facelift had occurred some years earlier. His skin was pallid and almost too tight, yet wrinkled upon instances of overt expression, which Davenwood was careful not to let happen very often. That is what I do. I live in the shadows, he continued. The fits and misgivings of my talent is my responsibility. I keep them quiet, and life outside of the paid media propagandists appear tranquil. It is what I do. I have built a career of it, and I have no intention of losing it now. He was obviously frustrated, and was trying his best to hide it. He didn't want to be there. That was obvious. He had something to say. It was just a matter if Joy could coax it out of him confidently enough to gain whatever job he had in mind. She glanced over at me, raising her glass to take a drink. I raised mine as well and watched as she took a proper sip leaving a red imprint on the clear glass, which she then turned to rest closest to her. On the phone, you said you needed my help, but I'm not sure what I can do for you, she said flatly. I can tell you what you can do for me, he snapped quietly, instantly losing his aristocratic cool, but just as quickly snatching it back from the ether. 
you can collect a specific list of vehicles for me. He took another drink, a longer one. Didn't wipe his mouth this time. He reached into his coat pocket and pulled a single piece of notepaper folded in half and put it on the table and pushed it to Joy. She opened the note and read for a moment. I understand the list seems exotic, but I've never had a problem picking up expensive cars before. They all operate by the same mechanical principles, she quipped self-assuredly. Davenwood looked like a man with a leaky faucet having to listen to a lecture from a rookie plumber. Well, dear, I am well acquainted with your talents, which is why you were sought out in the first place. What I need is discretion, secrecy even. In the parlance of our times, what we have here is a hot potato, several to be exact. He composed himself, took another drink, and patted the corners of his mouth again. He glanced over to me momentarily. I was stoic, stared him directly in the eye. He turned back to Joy, who pushed the list back to him. As we speak here in this, he paused, glancing around, saloon, Mr. Pete Mystic Seer Whelan is in the process of going bankrupt. The penniless little bastard has amassed quite a collection of automobiles in his short tenure in the limelight. He may have all of the talent and charm in the world, but what he lacks is a basic modicum of understanding of mathematics. It is the charge of Davenwood management to ensure such people are protected from the ravages of their own intelligence. Do you follow me, Miss Nuvolari? Joy conceded. Does this make sense, Miss Nuvolari? he asked. Yes, it does. Joy looked over to me. I looked her straight in her beautiful dark eyes and blinked slowly and nodded slightly, my prod for her to draw more out of him. You need me to secure the vehicles before bankruptcy because I presume they're not paid for and the media coverage of their removal would be an embarrassment. Oh, Davenwood gasped and took another long drink, looking away as he did so. If it were only that simple, he declared, gulping the rest of his drink, then raising his empty glass unceremoniously to gain the attention of our waitress, who was quick to return and bring us all another round. Davidwood took another look around the bar, which was beginning to fill up with after-work traffic crowd. They're not paid for, that is correct. But, should any of the vehicles be seized, it would quickly become known that the vehicle in possession of Mr. Sear, or any of his clingers-on, do not belong to Sear in the first place. They are the responsibility of Davenwood Management, LLC. They are the property of Davenwood Management, LLC. The waitress set the second Bloody Mary in front of him, and he immediately took a swallow. Joy glanced at me, and we too took another drink. I finished mine first and pushed the glass aside. Joy made a double lipstick print on her glass, still nursing her first drink. This is a dalliance I cannot afford to be made public, not because of my reputation as a man, you understand, but as a talent finance management company figurehead. Joy curled her red lips under for a moment in thought, then rested her hands together on the edge of the table, steepling her fingers. Might I ask if you have any idea as to the whereabouts of these vehicles, she asked calmly. Presumably all here, thereabouts. For a fact, two of them are at the estate on Peachtree Battle. I have placed eyes on them myself. As for the rest, I am unsure. They were housed there. At least they should have been, but there are others. There are always others. I imagine every one of his clingers-on is driving one hither and yon. Joy looked over to me purposefully, her lips curled and her eyebrows raised. I nodded yes slightly, never taking my gaze off those beautiful brown eyes, imagining thousands of tiny metal gears spinning behind them. She went right into character. Mr. Davenwood, I will need a few things. First, being a copy of the purchase, bill of sale, purchase agreement, tag receipt, anything that proves chain of custody. Second, I will need a signed contract of recovery for each vehicle. I will provide this to you first thing in the morning once I have the VINs and chain of custody. The third thing I will need is partial payment up front. The standard is 25%. Davenwood cut her off. 
the job pays $250,000 cash and only when all the vehicles are secure. And the caveat is they have to be secure by Monday afternoon. On Tuesday morning, I have it with good authority, the estate of Nick Mystic Sear Whelan will be seized upon by a host of collectors. The bankruptcy goes public, and I, very personally as well as Davenwood Agency, plan on being as distant from this dalliance as possible. I leave for Los Angeles tonight. For the first time, I noticed Davenwood's hands were trembling ever so slightly. He was uncomfortable, tremendously and embarrassingly so, heartbroken. Whatever had happened between Mystic and Davenwood had not ended pretty. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, or something to that effect. It still applied. Joy excused us for a moment, and we walked away towards the entrance. Nick, in the Jeep, there's a leather document bag. Inside, I have blanks of all the forms we will need. She was breathing heavily, as if she hadn't taken a breath in five minutes. Calm down, I pleaded. You're doing great. Please bring two copies of each, and please bring one of the good pens. I have a few in the front pocket. She nervously paced a few steps back and forth. I took her by the elbow and led her behind a column away from Davenwood's line of sight. Do you think there's anywhere we can have copies made around here? A kinko, about three, maybe four blocks up on the left. Open 24 hours, I offered. She pumped her clenched fist once and mouthed the word yes. I was about to step away when she grabbed my head. I felt her cold fingers press against my ear as she pulled me back. Then, with that being my only warning, she kissed me. Not once, but three times. I could feel her hot breath on my face each time she paused. The third time she released me and exhaled. Looking me in the eye as she ran one finger around her lips in case her lipstick had smudged. It hadn't, and with one more breath she said she would meet me back at the table. Wednesday, 6.20 p.m. I was still trying to put it together as I hustled out to the jeep to get the papers. It wasn't sexual. At least, that's not the feeling I got. More of an instant stress relief. I could only imagine what she would be like at the end of this job. The possibilities were tantalizing to say the least. It only took a few minutes to get to the jeep and back, and with papers in hand I rejoined them at the table, assuming the stoic character. Davenwood had retrieved what Joy needed from his room. They had even ordered food while waiting for me. I had a stack of copies to make as they both signed and initialed the pages I brought for her. I then made a requested trip to have the copies made so they too could be signed and initialed. Joy had assumed a much more composed demeanor, and her eyes flashed unspoken pleasantries to me as I left once more. Wednesday, 7.10 p.m. I decided to walk the few blocks up the street. It took less than an hour to have everything copied and collated and returned, but still they had finished whatever it was they had ordered. I watched, palms flat on the table, while Coy Davenwood of Hollywood, California, USA, signed a pact not only to recover some very expensive cars, but to protect his secret, his identity, his indiscretion. Now Joy just had to keep her end of the bargain.